0: Season 5, for, for you all, seeing us on YouTube for the first time, uh, for
1: you this will be like season 1. Yeah, pretty much. I mean it feels like season 1 because of the new setup, new mics, mm. um, it's kind of a new way of doing this. Yes. I'm not too used to it, but you know what, it's going to be fine. We're, we're going to figure it out. And um, it's going to be, we're going to be fine. Yes, uh,
0: and you know, to our to our uh, uh, listener, um, we appreciate you know sticking with us for for five seasons. Five
1: seasons, and this is a very special episode, um, bringing us all the way back to episode one.
0: Oh, damn, I was I was really hoping I was going to get to be the first one to say that.
1: Wrong. <laughs> Uh, the entire reason we even did that episode uh, was in anticipation of the movie we're talking about today.
0: That's right, almost uh, a year in the making. Yeah, because it w- that was the episode came out a year ago.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: no season one. Uh, but um, before we get into everything, and you know what, I just realized first uh, episode on YouTube, and I haven't even done an, a proper intro. You did not. You did not. Well, welcome back to Reservations, everyone. Uh, we are your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. <laughs> and I'm Jeremy Blair. Uh, we may have our names at the bottom of the screen. Ooh. I haven't decided yet. Host. Uh, so, yeah, so like Jeremy said, this is all new for us. Um, for those of you watching us on YouTube and maybe finding us, that would be great if we were found on YouTube after <laughs> this
1: first episode. That'd be really neat and people started listening to some backlog stuff.
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, this is new for us. So, you may see some things changing um with how we do things because this is new for us too
1: right i mean you know who knows that's why we took two and a half weeks off yeah i mean you know it's it might not look like this every time we may figure something out that's better for us more comfortable so this is just really a trial run yeah Um, but we didn't want you guys to uh to lose interest in us to forget
0: forget uh old rain and jeremy that's right
1: we i there's no way i'd be able to handle that kind of rejection um just can't take that kind of rejection
0: i can't i just recently not recent well yeah recently uh watched that the other day um uh i'm not gonna say where because just on the off chance someone important is watching this or listening i sing uh I'll tell you off, off off camera and off mic. See, I can see off camera off now. Off camera, look at that. Oh, and to those listening, you're not going to get that because if you're not subscribed to us on YouTube, uh, you should. But anyway, um, I was watching Back to the Future, mm-hmm. and I was annoying someone with all the trivia mm-hmm. that I have of that movie. Yeah, uh, cause, and then I was quoting it. Uh, so especially, I've seen, the,
1: I've, I've seen you watch television. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
0: you, Tony. Yeah. Well anyway, so Jeremy, shall we try to uh try to do this? Let's do
1: it. Um
0: so obviously, as y'all can tell, we are discussing Once Upon a Time
1: in Hollywood. That's my hand model. That's really good. Vanna White would be <laughs> would be very impressed by uh by your hand motions there. Yes, once upon a time in Hollywood.
0: Dude, You know, I know we talked about it in our very first episode when we talked about Quentin Tarantino and how excited we were for this movie. Because I think when we recorded that, there was no trailer. There was just the synopsis, the image they released of Brad and Leo, and that was it.
1: Yeah, I I don't believe we got a trailer at that time It was pretty far in in the future relatively to when we were doing that episode we were just so excited for it that we're like we gotta you know at least mention it lay some groundwork you know yeah and it turns out we were right i I distinctly remember talking about revisionist history and you know with uh, inglorious bastards and jango chained that he might do the same thing with this one because it had to do with the manson murders the, Mm -hmm. the tate murders right and And how interesting, you know, that could be to see what he would do with that. And it turns out we were absolutely right. And we're going to get to that. Yeah. Um, Um,
0: I I saw this movie twice in theaters. I saw it with Ashley opening day. Because I was like, we're going. Opening day. No ifs, ands, or buts. And she was like, okay. And then I saw it with my dad. uh, Which was still great the second time I watched through. But um, my dad kept leaning over uh, to be like,
1: yeah, yeah, that was it.
0: Or just giving me little facts, and I'm like, Dad, I love you. Well, and this movie... Watch the movie. This
1: movie's full of that, uh, especially for people of our dad's ages. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because growing up watching these things, especially in syndication, um, these people are real people, right? Yeah. Um, Rick Dalton, Cliff Booth, those people aren't real.
0: Right, 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 right. right, right.
1: Everyone else they interact with is a real person, relatively, right?
0: Yeah. Um, or at least like an amalgam of a real person that was probably around because you
1: can look up who Timothy Oliphant plays uh, Jim Stacey it's a real person yeah right on um, a real show right um, and, I mean it, little things like that right I mean um, you can go in and really dive into all of the little things you might not have caught the first time mm-hmm. or didn't think was relevant That these fictitious people are interacting with these very real people who were in the business at the time.
0: I kind of hearken it to uh, Forrest Gump, you know.
1: Do you not like Forrest Gump? No. Have we discussed this? No. I don't think so. But no, I'm not a huge fan of Forrest Gump. Oh my Um, God. Oh yeah,
0: I'm going to have to pull back on my swear words now that we're on uh, YouTube now.
1: I don't think so. I think we're fine. Oh, that's right. It's not going to be monetized. Um... Yes. But um, I can't believe it only four No, it's not like I don't like it. It's just like I. It's not as good of a movie as people say it is. What? <laughs> That's how I feel. Listen, we got to get back to this movie. Oh, my God. Ah, yes. We've we we'll, got to get back to this. Um, oh, my God. So, <laughs> the whole. Let's talk about the, the film as a whole. So, uh, it is a. Quentin Tarantino's love letter to old Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, to Los Angeles as a whole, yep. uh, down to the. Um, I wrote it down. Uh, the Yeah,
0: everyone, you get to see Jeremy's oh, notes, you get to see this my time. notes this time. Uh,
1: K- how- KHJ, yeah. uh, Los Angeles, real radio station at the time, AM radio. And uh, he just distinctly remembers living in Los Angeles as a child and hearing <sighs> these things, sort of like when we discussed music in Scorsese films. Mm-hmm. Scorsese places these things from his memory into these films. Yeah. Right. To give it three dimensions.
0: Oh yeah. And right? you know, and what's kind of funny is you know, this is a love letter from Quentin to old Hollywood because this was going around in the, the, the movie primarily happens in the transition from old Hollywood to new Hollywood. Right. Kind of kind of a throwback to our Martin Scorsese season four series, uh, you know, Martin was a part of that new wave of new Hollywood, new directors, you know, being very pessimistic, not optimist anymore of the yeah. 50s and 60s. And it's because of, you know, what's considered the death of the 60s, which is the tape murders. Tape murders are considered to kill the 60s and bring us into more a. To more, uh, more of a, uh, 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 shit, what's the word? Because I use pessimistic. Uh, just essentially, you know, a 70s of lock your doors, mm-hmm. shut, the, shut the blinds, all that, you know.
1: Right, being, um, sort of... Being more aware of, um of bad things to come, right? It's it's not necessarily, you know, we're taking off the rose colored glasses, right? Right. Um, going moving into the seventies. And you're absolutely right. And this is where we get films uh in the early seventies that really highlight these things. Uh for instance, Taxi Driver Mm -hmm. uh in seventy four really um paints a picture of New York in the seventies, right? This new New York. And he talks about it all the time in the film that it's it's so downtrodden, and it needs to be this bad, and blah, 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 blah stuff. But so anyway, right.
0: but, but yes, so you know, Quentin is showing us how great it was before the transition into new Hollywood. And
1: for me, it's the the attention to detail, where, especially with Hollywood Boulevard, how they completely mm, yeah. transformed it back to where it was. Right. I read that uh, a lot of those vendors.
0: Uh, had didn't really give them trouble, but it w- was real like, uh, you know, you know, we can't change it. And apparently, the production was like, you know, we understand that, but we ha- we have to look, at, we have to make it look like the time. And so right. they got them to do it. And then when they were done in that area, a lot of those vendors were like, well, "Can you just leave it up? We like it."
1: <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it looks really cool. And, yeah. and thank God, a lot of those um, those shops now. Uh, that used to be uh, movie theaters, Mm -hmm. uh, kept the marquee. Yeah. So they didn't have to, like, build a new marquee. All they needed to do was spruce it up, put some new neon in there, and they're good to go, right? Right. Um, Because it's, you know, keeping this tradition of old Hollywood uh, by keeping things like that, you know. Um, And speaking of attention to detail, I mean, even the really small things, so... (laughs) when they were shooting the FBI episode with mm-hmm. um, with Rick, Rick Dalton right yeah. um that truck the the cargo truck is the same cargo truck that was in that episode of FBI um the the guys because oh, they
0: did have to reshoot a little bit. The
1: guys that uh, he had put in charge of outfitting the entire film with the vehicles, right? Uh-huh. Um, found the actual truck from FBI, and they're like, "Hey, man, we found the real thing." And Quentin's like, "What are you talking about? That's amazing!" Yes, we want it. Please. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, because I know there was a lot that Quentin had to had to reshoot to make it fit in this faux history world. The one thing I really liked that he didn't reshoot at all was Wrecking Crew.
1: Wrecking Crew, right. Using the actual film with mm-hmm. Sharon Tate there um, was a good choice.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I would have liked it any less if they, you know, uh, superimposed Margot Robbie in it. But, I mean, I think it really honored Sharon Tate. Right, I agree. You know? But, but yeah, you know, I love... Uh, the Again, with more of the faux history of that, Rick was involved with the uh, the pilot of Lancer, which, you know, obviously, Rick Dalton is not real.
1: Right. Um, one of my favorite little things in the film that is so quick, and if you've never seen the movie, you wouldn't get its significance. Um, when Sharon Tate goes into that bookstore to pick up the book she ordered oh, for yeah,
0: women. I read about this.
1: She pets the little falcon on the uh, on The desk. desk, yeah. It's the actual Maltese falcon. Which? From, which DiCaprio, oh, it's his falcon. He oh, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio owns the Maltese falcon, which yeah. is so cool. Uh, those of you who have never heard of the Maltese Falcon. It's a film noir uh, from 1941. Which I think we
0: talked about in our noir episode. Probably.
1: Um, I would have almost insisted. Because um, uh, cause Peter Lorre's in that one too. And I really like mm. Peter Lorre. But uh, it's Humphrey Bogart and it's a, you know, it's a film noir mystery, you know. And it's said to be one of the best. And it's just, they just put the Maltese Falcon in. The, it's so cool. To me, I was geeking out. I was, yeah. was super
0: fun. See, I never caught that. And then when I was in preparation for the episode and I was reading some more trivia and it was like, yeah, you know, the Maltese Falcon owned by Leonardo DiCaprio. And I, I was can't like, believe
1: he owns the Maltese what? Falcon. I didn't know you could own the Maltese Falcon. That's super neat. Um, you know, the thing that besides the, you know, attention to detail and it kind of goes in with the attention to detail is Tarantino... Doesn't just tell a story, a period piece. He's hmm. immersing you in this in this world, right? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people that I heard complaints from, this was their complaint that there were um, there were elongated periods of time where nothing really was happening, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the driving sequences, <sighs> right? Which I loved. I mean, yeah. again, this is this is the movie to me. the The movie is. Putting the your audience in 1969 Los mm. Angeles, and he does that perfectly and seamlessly. Oh yeah. And to do that, sometimes you just have to sit in the world that he has recreated for us.
0: You know, and you know, and you've made this point several times with films, I, especially in season four. I can't remember which ones exactly but I yeah be able to might but yeah hard you hard know hard. i me personally i enjoyed that you know i i feel like you know it's 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 real driving it's not like okay we see him take off oh, and now he's there okay it's
1: not like in goodfellas where you don't even see him get in the car right yeah and and you're absolutely right we are it's almost it's not real time because that would be impossible but yeah and <laughs> you feel it you feel like wow we've been in the car a while the movie you know?
0: would be like four hours long if it was real time
1: right and and so I, I really enjoyed being in the world and getting to sit in it for a while mm-hmm. um, especially in the driving sequences um, and of course um, getting to see the white Cadillac again um, the white Cadillac oh. is Michael Madsen's uh, he owns the white Cadillac uh, but it was the white Cadillac in Reservoir Dogs. Uh, it's the same oh, car. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. So Michael Madsen, who is in the movie, also uh, yeah. he is in the episode of Bounty Law.
0: Ashley, <laughs> when we were I was rewatching it the other night, she was like, she was like, ah, and there is the man himself, Quentin Tarantino, and I was like, I was like, that's that's Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen. I was like, that's Vic Baker, <laughs> that's Bill's brother, and she's like, oh my god, it is. But you know. I'll I'll give her credit that the side his profile does look a lot like Quentin's profile. Sure, but then once we had that close up, it's, that's Michael Madsen,
1: right? And it, it was just cool to see number one Michael Madsen in another Tarantino movie, right? Because mm-hmm. we hadn't seen him fun. since
0: the Hateful Eight, right?
1: Right, um, and of course the white Cadillac. Um, that it's Rick Dalton's car that Cliff Booth drives, drives him around. Him around. The yeah. explanation is amazing, right? I love that Kurt Russell does gets, the narration. Gets to be a character, right? Mm-hmm. But is also the narrator.
0: It is the voice of the film,
1: right? Which is yeah. so much fun, right? Yeah, you
0: know, I I got I heard a lot of complaints from people that that they didn't like that. That's interesting. That they were like, yeah, you know if. If he would have established early on that there was going to be a narrator, you know. But my thing is, you know, look at Inglorious Bastards. I was
1: just about to say, because...
0: Sam Jackson's narration comes in out of nowhere right? to explain nitrate films, and then that's it. Like, no explanation.
1: Yeah, and then you sort of get that, you know, choose-your-character video game thing um, when we're starting to meet the bastards one by one. Right, and that's mm-hmm. sort of a break from the the narration or the narrative as well,
0: yeah. right?
1: Um, especially uh, Hugo Stieglitz or whatever. Um, we get that background on who he is, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's kind of what I felt like this was, right? Yeah, it was when Rick Dalton says, "Oh, you know my uh, my car's in the shop." He goes, "That's <laughs> a fucking lie. That's <laughs> a know?
0: fucking lie." And
1: I love that interjection. Um, where it's like, oh, okay, uh, he's he, well, now we're gonna get to understand why Cliff is driving around all the time.
0: Oh, well, and, and and I like that Quentin even uses tire screeching. Yeah, that's a fucking like, and then, then we see, actually see that he got in a wreck. So right, exactly. You know, and, and that's something that I noticed with this. Oh, I'll probably say fifth time through because I I love this movie. Um, is Quentin uses the world
1: to build suspense? Because there is no score, mm-hmm. there is no. Oh, but the music is unbelievable. I, I am a very proud owner of this soundtrack on vinyl. I, and I have the even the, uh, the commercials, or it's like you're listening to the radio. It's on the vinyl, and mm-hmm. so you get to. It's again, it's immersing yourself back into this world without having to, you know, watch the movie.
0: Yeah, when right. when I got the collector's edition of this, you know, it came with the. The seven inch, yeah, not seven, the seven inch.
1: No, well, the really small, the forty five, yeah. the
0: forty five, and the the filler. Yeah. So I could play it on my record player without it, right, spinning around. But <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like uh, so, I really noticed it, and we'll really get there. But I noticed it when Cliff goes to visit George. Quentin's using the TV music to give us this tension. No, no orchestra, no, no anything, and I think that's what. It really feels real.
1: This is a this is a great transition to Quentin using our knowledge of who these people are mm-hmm. against us, right? Yeah. So when when Rick, sorry, when Cliff goes to the ranch, Spawn Ranch. Which did they film at Spawn Ranch? Because
0: all the pictures I've seen it it looks like they really filmed it i think Spun. they
1: did and they uh, obviously a lot of that stuff's not there anymore so they have to go back and, and
0: recreate right right
1: buildings things like that um but yes i believe they did
0: yeah because you know everything looks like it's exactly where it was in in the pictures that i've seen of like documentaries and, and stuff like that. So it I yeah, I was telling and Ashley I mean
1: it's attention to detail to the max. I mean, we'll get to the, the finale, but that car, <laughs> they they had the option to use the real car. Uh, that uh texts and really yeah and holy shit. The guys were like I think it'd be a little too creepy for the actors to sit in the car <laughs> that these murderers killed those people. (laughs) Let's, let's just take pictures and we'll just, we'll recreate. recreate. I mean, every rust stain, every dent, every, everything is exactly the same. It's just, (laughs) they didn't want to use the real car, but they had the opportunity to do so. I mean, but I don't blame them. I don't either, but you know, I mean, how
0: cool it would have been to be in that car? Like, right. Maybe just see the car like,
1: oh, wow. wow. And they did. They got, I mean, they took a whole bunch of pictures and things like that. Um, but anyway, so, so, right, so using our knowledge against us. Right, using the, the fact that we know who these people are um, to the point where it's almost, you know, those who are aficionados or are big fans of the... Like
0: true crime. And, the
1: Helter Skelter films or yeah. whatever. We'll
0: Which, know, can I just say... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut go you on, off. Uh, thanks... Charles Manson for ruining a fantastic Beatles song you know even the Beatles well the two alive Beatles right now have said on record that yeah like they have disavowed that song because of
1: them I would argue one and a half I mean Ringo's barely anyway Doesn't there um. <laughs> but still like
0: that that's such a, it's, it's, it's
1: hang on everyone
0: like it's such a good song like and it's so different especially for the Beatles and, and then they had to fucking ruin it.
1: Well, I think it's a testament to the song and how good it is because um, well, Manson, true. again, was in his own right a musician also. And he had a had an affection for music. Mm-hmm. And so you, would, you can argue it's sort of a form of flattery. But let's not get into too much of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just like to play devil's advocate. And I, you know, hey, man, give him a break, you know. Um, just kidding. So,
0: yeah.
1: um, anyways, so again, the the real aficionados will know who Dakota Fanning is immediately without them saying it's Squeaky, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And and we don't hear that name until until really Cliff is talking to George, right? And he's like, you know, the girl, yeah, you know, I'm the girl outside, Squeaky. Yeah. The
1: the redhead is like how the fuck am I supposed to? <laughs> I'm blind. It's almost like that Anchorman two thing, but it's, um, yeah. It, it's it's amazing the way that Tarantino builds tension by just using our knowledge of historical events, mm-hmm. right? When he goes to Spawn Ranch, we. You know we are terrified because we know who these people are.
0: I, right? I will say that that is probably the most anxious i would ever been in a Quentin Tarantino movie.
1: Yeah, I mean it's especially on his way up to George's house, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, it's it's a little jarring because again it's this this idea that oh, these people have killed George, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I was convinced. <laughs> I was like, he's gonna go to that back room. George is gonna be dead.
1: Yeah. But again, this is Tarantino playing with their expectations again. Um, well, and
0: I think the real history was the uh, they kind of left George alone. Yeah. In, in exchange for sex.
1: See, I'm not, uh, I'm not as much of an aficionado on the Manson stuff. Neither am I. I've as just, as seen, I am on other like serial killers and things like that. I you, know, I've just seen things. I think, I think, which
0: Manson promised him like they'll keep the ranch maintained. To a level, in exchange for, like free lodging, pretty much, and I think that they, uh, they some of the girls even like had sex with George. Yeah. To I mean he was an old man. I mean, what, yeah. You know. Yeah, and, and he was partially blind. And
1: again, Bruce Dern, amazing. And you know, right? I love Bruce Dern so I was I'd forgotten he was in the movie. Well, and um, I told Ashley, it's kind of
0: blew her mind, uh, Burt Reynolds was originally supposed to be that role. That's interesting. And then he passed away, R.I.P. to my birthday buddy. Uh But, I mean, Bruce Dern, again, Bruce Dern is phenomenal. Right. Even in this brief five-minute sequence, he's amazing.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and, again, it's this, the... The interweaving narratives of the Manson family, Sharon Tate, Roman Polanski, and then Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth. <laughs> These, you know, they, they'll intertwine and then they'll go away again. Yeah. They'll intertwine. and They'll go away again. Right. Until the very end where they all combine. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, that's sort of tension building as well, because again, we are desperately trying to figure out how in the hell, Rick Dalton fits in with any of this right? because we know how everything ends we know what happens so how does Rick fit into all of that right and Mm -hmm. it's so fascinating the way that it did I remember seeing the image of um, DiCaprio and Pitt right Um, like standing and leaning on the car right yeah I was like, oh, they're going to be like detectives on the like trying to figure out what's going on with it. You know, that's that's what I thought, mm-hmm. right? And pleasantly surprised. This was much. This is a much better movie, but um, than that would have been. Well, see, and well, and I kind of knew that it was about an actor,
0: uh, but I, I, my expectation was the Manson family was going to be more involved,
1: and I think that's sort of the point is they're not. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's, you know, sort of the point. Right. Yeah. That's Tarantino is trying to, you know, tell you that, you know, these not giving them as much credit, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah. Yeah, you don't want to glorify these people.
1: And I think this is the least amount of glorifying you can do <laughs> with these uh, especially with, these
0: with people. the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You know and, and that's you know and that's another crazy thing about the, about this movie is, is the history and the, the horrible thing that happened is you know I remember reading an article that Rowan Polanski's current wife uh, was trying to boycott the movie because she felt like it wasn't like right or some or some shit. I don't remember what the fuck she was trying to do or say all I remember thinking was well you know your husband's a monster uh, so you don't get a say uh, and plus Roman's in it for like two minutes
1: yeah he's not in it for very long um, but again the the portrayals of everyone is excellent I mean mm-hmm. we're talking let's let's go ahead and just talk about the playboy mansion oh. and how much fun it is to see these actors play these um, these icons, right? Apparently Hugh
0: Hefner was supposed to be, I think, I mean, obviously not. He's passed away now, but uh, he was supposed to be in that sequence, but I, oh, I, think, I think they cut that out. But anyway.
1: Um, you know, Damian Lewis is <sighs> Steve McQueen. Um, the woman who plays Mama Cass is amazing also. I mean, as soon as you see her, you're like, that's... That's Mama Cass, right?
0: I told I told Ashley when we were we were watching Rocket we rewatching Rocket Man and uh, you know the owner of the Troubadour is like, you know, enough of this bullshit who wants to go to a party at Mama Cass's. Right. I told Ashley I was like, you know, we see Mama Cass and once upon a time in Hollywood, she was yeah. like, We do and so I showed her that and she was like, Oh yeah, we do.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. And this is to where you don't need their names to be anywhere. Right.
0: It, yeah. The only the only three names we get are at the very when they arrive at the Playboy Mansion is Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. J.C. Bring, and I don't remember the woman's name.
1: Oh, um, Dreama Walker plays her. I don't remember either. Um, but anyway,
0: but, it yeah. but then after that, I, I agree because then well, as soon as we see Mama Cass, so like, hey, we know
1: that's uh, Mama Cass, right? And again, it's immersing yourself in this world in this you know very rose colored glasses. Old, well, this is new Hollywood, essentially. Yeah, yeah, because
0: right? yeah, yeah, Roman um, was part of the the new Hollywood wave. And just this
1: fantasy world that these people are living in, um, and of course, you know, the music is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Paul Revere and the Raiders. Oh uh, yeah, my dad is a huge fan of that. I am a big fan of theirs as well. And, and
0: apparently, Sharon Tate was as well. Yeah,
1: apparently, uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders uh, are excellent, and they they fit in so well with this with this film. Uh, sprinkled throughout. Yeah. Um I um I loved um the it's almost validation, right, for our spaghetti western series uh with the yeah. uh, uh the Window no name trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um talking about the Italian film industry. We'll see and and, and now
0: that now that we've done that, all the shit that they were saying. Of course, you know, Quentin's not going to talk about Italian filmmaking without you know saying the stuff that they really did Like right. he's not it's, gonna ruin shit no
1: he's not he's not really being mean either it's this um, this character Rick Dalton <laughs> is having trouble with the everyone speaking their own language and everyone's just dubbed over right Yeah, I that told, would drive me
0: crazy I told Ashley that and she was like are you kidding I was like no like, Absolutely. Not. That's how they that's how they made Westerns back then. And then That's how they still make movies. Yeah. And I told her I told her about um, you know when we did The Man with No Name trilogy. I was like the only plus is when I was like when Clint Eastwood made those movies, he got to do his own dub over. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, but then everyone else, yeah, they were dubbed over.
1: Everybody else. Right. Um you know, and so it, it was sort of fun to see, you know, Quentin's version of of that, right? Fucking Italian movies. And I, I loved the, you know, not only did he do Westerns, but he did, you know, the spy movie. It was almost, it was kind of like James Bond meets, um, the Italian job. It looked like, you know, yeah. Um, great sequence, right. Of just the very quick overview of what it was like for them in, Mm. in Italy. Um, I really liked the, the shot of the car, uh, jumping that and then it pauses is,
0: Cliff Cliff and then it lands <laughs> yeah
1: letting us know that Cliff is still very much involved in, in all of this which we love because to me Cliff is the hero of the yeah. entire movie
0: yeah Um. that video that I was watching when you came over uh, pretty much explains how Cliff the stuntman well stuntmen in general are as close to superheroes as we would ever get That's why, you know, how how the video I was watching explains it. That's why when he punches someone, they literally fly off their feet. Uh, And then, you know, Rick is just the guy who kind of comes in and gets the money shot and gets all the credit.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, which is kind of personified in the finale of the movie
1: in a way. And, you know, he, uh, Tarantino, is as a... As a love and respect for stunts and stunt people, mm-hmm. um, for evidence, uh, the Australian woman who plays uh, Kurt Russell's wife mm-hmm. is a stunt woman. Uh, she was the stunt woman for Superman, yeah, and she was also in Death Proof. Um, and, and so was Kurt Russell. And so was Kurt Russell. That's yeah. right. Uh, she. Uh, this is just a fun little story about her and being a stunt woman. That. Uh, during the shoot of Death Proof, he would have to remind her to look up, like, you know, face this way. And she goes, well, if I... He goes, oh, I don't have to hide my face, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, because they're so used to having their face away from the camera, right? Yeah. And so he goes, no, no you need to face this way. It's fine if we see your face this time. <laughs> and she goes, that's right. I'm sorry. Um, and so that's sort of, you know, I mean, it's... Filling the movie also with people in the industry is also very fun, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. It, so, so
0: I really want to talk about Rick Dalton. Okay, I think people need to understand
1: who this guy is. And what I love about this movie so so much is that obviously we are building up to the final twenty minutes, right? Yeah, which is, <sighs> but before that. Quentin Tarantino is giving us a full picture of who these people are, mm-hmm. right? Um, giving us an idea of who they are, again, putting us in this world and maintaining this sort of immersion in this world, right? Right. But also giving us a a full idea of who these people are, making them fully three-dimensional no matter who they are. Yeah. Right? And he does this perfectly with our main characters. And so let's talk about Rick.
0: Yeah, so Rick. You I mean, you love Rick, but at the same time I feel like he's the type of guy you it's hard to love cuz especially especially when we see him in 1969 cuz in his heyday when he's doing Bounty Law, Bounty Law. Uh, you know, he's Ace King, 1950s TV, but then kind of falls off and kind of, I almost get the impression he, he's resistant to adapting.
1: Yes, he is, um, he's stuck in old Hollywood right. and he doesn't, he's trying to, he's fighting the change to the new Hollywood, right? Right. Uh, we see the the sort of, you know, throwing up of the hands and saying, okay, fine, I, I give up when he comes back from Italy. Right? He's wearing the ascot. He's got the long hair. The, he's,
0: the mutton chops. Right. He's
1: wearing, you know, bell bottoms. And he goes, all right, fine. You know?
0: Yeah. Which I find, I, I told Ashley I find funny, especially when he's like,
1: goddamn
0: fucking hippies. One of my favorite lines. And it's, it's like, bro... But dude, look at your dress. Look at you! you you're yeah. you're a hippie now. He's <laughs>
1: again, um, yeah,
0: very. Yeah. You know, and, and and I think that's really evidence when he does the Lancer pilot, and Sam, the director, is like, you know, I want to put a mustache on him. I want to put a long wig on him, and I want to put him in a fringe jacket. And he, you can tell Rick is very
1: right. This isn't. This
0: is you know how's it? This that?
1: isn't like Bounty Law. This isn't like Bonanza. This isn't Gunsmoke. This is different. This is hip. Right? Mm-hmm. And he wasn't prepared for something hip. Yeah, and,
0: and I and I love and I love what he says to him, like, you know, if you got me covered up in all this junk, mm-hmm. how's anyone gonna see me? And the director goes, I don't want them to see you. You know, and I watched an interview with Quentin and Leo where they talk about how, you know, it's this transition from you know you kind of mentioned it with my hair, you know, having a pompadour and you know, putting pomade in your hair and you know, looking really handsome. But to this transition of, you know, looking more like a beatnik and had long hair and shaggy, you know, facial hair, and also in the terms of acting, this is almost when method acting was getting real. I wouldn't say predominant because Marlon Brando has been. Was method acting since like day one, mm-hmm. but but still you know like uh, and we see that with his interaction with Marabella, because I don't think we ever get her real name. Oh, it's Trudy because we see the back of her chair,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but um, but you know she's very. <laughs> they describe it in the interview very Meryl Streep.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she this is nine-year-old uh, little girl. Man.
0: Yeah, she is. Uh... It's it's the job of the actor, oh my God.
1: and I say actor.
0: Not actress because actress is nonsensical.
1: Yeah, she's um, <laughs> and I love that she's he,
0: something else. And I love that the whole time Rick's just like not prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, but I think that whole Lancer pilot sequence really opens Rick's eyes to you know, and Leo even says it that he does have the Rick does have this almost untapped potential. He just has to almost grow up and dig it out.
1: Yeah. It's um there's a few things that Rick does that makes me laugh out loud. It's so funny. And one of the things that I couldn't I couldn't get over. It's so funny is when he is practicing his lines at at the house and he has all of the other ones recorded. Uh-huh. And his his mexican accent uh you go si sí, senor you know that sounds he's like hey, speedy <laughs> gonzalez <laughs> it's so funny and i <laughs> i don't think he did it you know and you'd think that he didn't do it to be funny right he's not yeah, this it, isn't a joke to him obviously yeah, but, he
0: did it because he thinks that's what the actor's probably going to sound like
1: and it is not <laughs> What the actor is going to say? Like.
0: Yeah. He, the other thing is his breakdown in the trailer. Oh, I I tell my mom that's one of my favorite sequences of the whole movie because it's apparently it was entirely improvised. Leo kind of came up with a lot of that, um, but I just love when he th- he throws his hat in his trailer with such force it breaks the window it hits, which I didn't think you could break a window with a
1: hat, but well, he breaks the window, and. <laughs> I really love the you know I'm 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 gonna stop drinking. He goes ah fuck it and he starts drinking. He goes, no <laughs> and he throws it out. because <laughs> he just can't help it. I, I love it. You know, could have had one or two. I had i
0: I'm gonna pull your fucking brains out. I know and I and and see in that that shot especially really messes with me because we can see that he's looking into the mirror but, but the, his reflection is always looking at the camera. He's looking
1: right at the camera. Yeah. You listen here. You listen here. You're gonna. <laughs> you're gonna it's stop. so. Funny. This whole movie's funny. Yes. Right? There is very, very little, you know, drama, it, which is
0: crazy, because everything I've read, it's still it's classified as a drama. Mm-hmm. I would say ninety percent is all comedy, but then the last thirty-five minutes, that's where all the drama comes
1: in. Yeah, I, I would agree, because I, you know, the, and we'll talk about the shots here in a second, um, because want to talk about Robert Richardson. He's the director of photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the one who pulled off some of those immaculate shots. Um, one of them being Rick floating in the pool, practicing his lines. We crane above him over his house to the Polanski's house, timed perfectly for them to walk out of their front door into the car and drive away. Right? One shot. Uh, the yep. other one would be the Bruce Lee fight. Oh, <sighs> yeah and um i always forget bruce lee was in the greenhorn was in the greenhorn <laughs> and so um they kept calling him kato and i just thought they were being racist well oh uh, and well, uh, well, apparently bruce supposedly
0: actually really hated that role yeah like really hated the whole thing which but uh, i mean at the same time you can't say that that didn't give him his start in Hollywood,
1: Right. You know, I, I also heard that his family was very upset by the portrayal of him as kind of being this pompous show-off, mm-hmm. you know? But I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, if he was that upset about being there, I mean, it would explain the attitude, <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And so, well, supposedly the the China tried to ban the movie because of the portrayal of Bruce Lee. And, and Quentin, God love him, stuck to his guns. He was like, no. I'm not. I'm not changing my movie. Yeah. He's like, this is integral to the story. I'm keeping it.
1: And again, it's a it's a while before you realize the the one shot. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, oh, we haven't cut yet. Jesus Christ! And <laughs> when he throws him into that car, <laughs> I mean, I know my dad has said that is one of the hardest he's laughed in the movie. And I, you know, they. At the, at the theater, it's a huge roar of laughter when it gets thrown into the I car. I think that dent in the car says otherwise. Because <laughs> he hey, hey, no, no one's beating up Bruce Lee. He goes, well, that oh. dent in the car. Exactly.
0: Uh, Which is so, fantastic. And I think that's a good transition into, so now we kind of understand Rick. Let's understand Cliff, his stunt double who, I'm going to be honest, he puts up with a lot of shit from Rick.
1: He does. And, you know, I really do think that not only is he just so thankful for the work that Rick has given him over the years, Mm -hmm. right? I think it really has truly become a bond between the two of them, right? So, I mean, it's not just that, you know, he is technically an employee of Of Rick's, Rick's. yeah. You know, that that seems almost immaterial, right? And he doesn't let that bother him,
0: right? Yeah, like how, you know, I was kind of asking you all off-camera and off-mic is, you know, Rick doesn't really share in the, uh... how great it is to be a movie star with Cliff.
1: And I think that might also have to do with he's not really living that life anymore, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, he is in that transition of almost has-been, right? Mm -hmm. Which he even calls himself a has-been. Yeah. Fucking has-been. Don't cry in front of the Mexicans. Put these on. Which is maybe the hardest I laughed in the movie (laughs) Um, but you know I I love Cliff Cliff is my favorite character in the movie right Yeah, I think he's a lot of people's favorite character in the movie I, I I love his you know again he's not he doesn't let anything get him down right Yeah, he doesn't care that his best friend is his boss he doesn't care that he drives him around all day he actually likes it he doesn't mind having to ask for work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just trying to get by, and he doesn't mind living in a trailer. Behind a drive-in. Behind a drive-in, right. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just living life. He doesn't give a shit. Uh, Probably because he murdered his wife. We don't know that, though. <laughs> he for sure murdered his wife. It was so funny. What a great... Uh, the flashback I, that was a flashback within a flashback yeah yeah
0: because because you know he's he's thinking about rick, rick, what rick said you know the guy that gaps is his best friend with randy so there's no point so he flashes back to the green hornet and then
1: and then in there there's a flashback wait,
0: when rick and randy are arguing yeah. and randy's like he killed his fucking wife flashback again and then after all these flashbacks cliff is like Fair enough.
1: Which is so fun, right? And which is so Cliff. Again, not going to let it get him down. He goes, I get it, you know. And again, it's, you know we get to see brad Pitt with the shirt off again yeah dude and and it is not a disappointment bro homie is in his 50s and he's still cut he's still cut man he's still got it going on you know yeah bro wait i was like uh and again (laughs) we we get this idea of who he is that he is just so happy to be able to do what he does that he kind of parkours himself on the roof (laughs) instead of getting a ladder yeah or whatever which is fun and i really like the sound design of that yeah exactly like he's a superhero exactly
0: yeah yeah and I think I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's the only thing that Brad Pitt probably didn't do in this movie you think yeah. I don't know
1: I think, I'm pretty sure he could have done it I don't know once Tyler Durden always Tyler Durden <laughs> but uh but yeah man and
0: Cliff um you know I agree he doesn't let anything get us get him down and I think the only other solid relationship that he has in his life uh, besides with Rick is with uh Brandy yeah, his pit bull who is the cutest pit bull ever,
1: and the most well trained?
0: Yeah, was that a wine? I love that. I don't want to have to throw this shit away, but I will. And it's
1: the grossest looking dog food.
0: I know, and and I love that Quentin staged it to where you know he's not coming down to the bowls level uh, to drop it. Right. He's <laughs> dropping it from how I think what Brad Pitt's like six like, feet tall. Yeah, like so he's dropping it from six feet, and it just.
1: Bunk. Yeah, and he does two of them and then drives. Just, yeah, which I love. Right, and Brandy is so excited. Mm, and, <laughs> and, you, and listen, you can pause it and look at all the flavors. They're hilarious.
0: Oh yeah, there's like raccoon flavor. Yeah. Rat flavor. Yeah. The what, what's the, what's the dog food he feeds her uh, like wolf's teeth?
1: Yeah, something like that. Good
0: dog. Uh, uh, good food for mean dogs or something. <laughs> something like that. Um. And then, well, and, and Brandy herself is a character, mm-hmm. you know, which we'll, we'll get to in a second. But, you know, Cliff, he, you know, <laughs> he also um, doesn't care that he made his mac and cheese wrong, too. <laughs> you know, he cooks the noodles and then just puts the powder in and then mixes it up and then there we go.
1: Yep. No, no milk,
0: no butter. Meh. Nah.
1: Yeah, why bother? You know, <laughs> Rick is, uh, Cliff, Cliff is so cool. <laughs> He is. That, you know, his moccasins are cool, his Hawaiian shirt is dope, you know, he's just a cool guy. His aviators. So He's so badass, you know, and the fact that, you know, like you said, he's in his 50s and you would argue that... Uh, What's-Her-Face um, from The Nice Guys. She's in this movie as well. She's... Uh, oh! Yeah.
0: yeah, uh, Pussycat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I looked up her name, and I completely forgot it.
1: Probably finds him just as attractive as anybody else, because yeah. he's still Brad Pitt, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm sure uh, that whole sequence of uh,
1: <laughs> I'm not going to jail for Poontang is... I didn't write it down this time, but I could have, and it just would have been one note and it would have said feet.
0: <laughs> yeah, Quint, and It's a as, Quentin
1: Tarantino movie.
0: As we as we talked in season 1 episode 1, <sighs> Quentin loves feet, bro.
1: Yeah. It's so gross. I was
0: really the whole time, the whole movie because this is we're halfway through the movie by the time he actually picks up pussycat mm-hmm. because almost like fate he'd seen her twice before he finally picks her up so the whole time I was like are we for the first time a Quentin Tarantino movie are we gonna go without seeing bare feet hell Hell yeah mushed
1: up against the windshield (laughs) which the camera was right there and then we get Sharon Tate at the movie theater watching Wrecking Crew. Oh, and and she, she puts her feet up. Her gross, dirty feet up on the chair. So disgusting. <sighs> I. I. And then we, go, well, we also get the shot of her feet uh, when she's waking up in the morning after the Playboy Mansion party. Right? Well, it's yeah, but, very, it's, it, it, but it's <laughs> moved
0: up like her leg and stuff. Still. But, um, Still. but all the Manson family members at Spawn Ranch are pretty much barefoot. Gross.
1: Sidebar. I knew you were going to bring this up. Go ahead.
0: Uh, now that I've seen both The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor uh, Victoria
1: oh, yeah. Ready
0: is uh, oh,
1: I didn't. Lulu oh see I thought you were going to bring up uh, Harley Quinn Smith uh, oh, yeah. is, uh,
0: obviously uh, is my boy Kevin as well. Smith uh, as he puts it in *Jane's on the Bob reboot that um, he may not put his daughter into movies you know she can make her own money uh, so, yes, his daughter, Harley Quinn Smith, is one of the uh, yes. the Manson girls who... I don't think she even has a name.
1: No. I think she's just there. Then you also have... Uh, What's her face from Girls? Uh, oh, Lena Dunham. Lena Dunham. Yes, she is uh, in the movie <laughs> as well. I uh, love her a lot. Fitz
0: We love pussy. And Brad Pitt's just like, yeah. Yes, yeah. we
1: do. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Brad Pitt, as Cliff, and probably in real life, is the coolest guy in the world. Yeah. Right? Right? Uh, I... Oh, dude! His interaction with
0: squeaky, bro. Oh.
1: Well, see, I was I was gonna go with uh, his interaction with Tex. So, oh, you ever been to Houston? I loved his like last cop's jaw ever broke. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's the coolest reason. <laughs> I yeah, mean, he's just so cool. I can't get over how cool Cliff is, right?
0: Yeah, especially especially during that whole sequence. You know, he, you know, Squeaky does not intimidate him at all. Even though, I'm going to be real, I think when he finally enters George's house, he's a little weary. Yeah. You know, especially seeing the rat caught in the the sticky rat trap, and he's like, Uh, yikes. uh, But then, you know, he beats the shit out of Clem, tells him to fix the tire.
1: (laughs) Can you get a rag with my face first? Tire first. Yeah, you know, and again, it's just, yeah, it upset him, but... Whatever, I'm not gonna fix it. He is you know, yeah. And he's got the he's got the the bite to go with the bark. You know what I mean? Like he's, you know, you saw him just beat the hell out of him, mm. and then tell him to fix the the tire, and he's not gonna leave until he does it.
0: Yeah, I know. And he lights a cigarette, puts his glasses on
1: a red apple cigarette, remember. dude. And
0: I was convinced uh, that he was not gonna get out of there alive.
1: Oh, okay. That's uh, interesting.
0: Or at least not get out of there without something happening. Uh, especially when they go and get Tex. I'm like, oh, dude, he's fucked. I'm like, that guy's going to take his sweet ass time changing the tire. And then Tex gets there, which is another one of my favorite shots. Another crane. Yeah. One shot following Tex.
1: You know, these shots that he was able to pull off in this movie are amazing. Yeah. And everyone needs to, you know, go back. Um, two other Tarantino films. This guy's worked with him before: uh, Hateful Eight, Django Unchained. You know, like go look at the shots again because they're amazing. This guy is amazing.
0: Yeah, but uh, but then yeah, Tex makes it, and we see Cliff pulling away, and I was like,
1: oh, thank God, Whew. so close. I know. And in fact, the opposite happens, but we'll get there. Um, not only does Brad Pitt live the whole movie, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, let's see. What do I have here? I um, I mentioned the white Cadillac, which I, I still think is so cool that it's the one from uh, Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. We mentioned it's a love letter to Los Angeles. It's a love letter to Hollywood. It's a love letter to the filmmaking process. Yeah. But above all else, this is a love letter to Sharon Tate. So yes. let's talk about Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, man. So you know she,
0: you know I learned this the other day because uh, I have been watching a lot of the Hollywood Reporter roundtable videos mm-hmm. on YouTube. Those are great. I because I, I you know Ashley told me she's like that seems kind of boring, but you know I just I really like hearing actors I really like talk, you know. And this one in particular is one for when uh, Margot was promoting I Tanya, which I think she did before this one, right? Or after.
1: Mm-hmm. Before.
0: Before. So she was promoting I, Tanya. And, you know, the interviewer asked her, you know, being Australian, how is the filmmaking process there versus here? And I never knew. Of course, why would I know this? I don't watch Australian TV. She started out on a Australian soap opera. Mm, I knew that. I did not.
1: She had mentioned it before. I agree. Oh.
0: But, you know, and it's just so crazy to think, you know, because soap operas... Are very overacted. Mm-hmm. You know they they you know they don't gasp. They they audibly get gasp. <gasps> you know. <laughs> but seeing how she came from that and where she is now, that she's she won or was at least nominated for I Tanya, right? You know she's in the you know a, a Golden, Golden Globe nominated actress. She I have yet to see her in a bad movie. Well, Suicide Squad was a bad movie. Well But it yeah. wasn't her fault. She, no, she was great at She that. did great. No, she's fantastic. Um but, you know, and so she just nailed uh Sharon Tate. And I remember well I don't remember, um, because I read it yesterday, uh, that Deborah Tate, Sharon's sister, was very cautious.
1: As as one I mean, would
0: be Absolutely Especially you know the, Considering that her sister Is famous for all the wrong reasons Right uh, But Quentin Apparently sat her down And was like Look you know I'm I'm doing this To honor your sister I will not You know Disrespect your sister In any way And she was still A little apprehensive But But Trusted Quentin And I read that After she saw the movie She was like That was phenomenal Margot did a fantastic job of my sister and apparently during production Margot actually wore mm-hmm. some of sharon's real jewelry yeah which kind of going back to the whole car i don't know if i would have been able to do you know
1: yeah that's a that's an interesting point um because you're right, uh, the car would have been really creepy, right? Yeah, and the fact that it's still in existence, it's almost still has it somewhere, is really weird. But I know. Um, which is actually kind of cool. But well, I mean, there's murder serial it, it's out there. It, it's morbid stuff that I'm kind of into, right? Like, <laughs> well, maybe later. <laughs> maybe later. Um, you knew where I was going with that one. Yeah, I did. But you know, again, it's it's very important to for actors to you know once they put on the costume it helps tremendously right no matter Mm -hmm. how much time you spent practicing or you know honing the character once you put on the clothes it helps so i can only imagine putting on her jewelry would really help
0: yeah right yeah you know and and sharon sharon's not in the movie a lot which i i read some complaints that a lot of people were like you know that's that's not right to have Margot play this role and then she's barely in the movie and I'm like well here's the thing though it's not about Sharon Tate like yeah she's involved and she's integral to the story yeah but it's not about her
1: I would argue yes that is correct and I, I would also say that it is That is most apparent by the ending, right? I think that if the ending had gone differently, we would have gotten more Sharon Tate, Mm -hmm. right? The fact is, we get very little of Sharon Tate in the film because at the end of this film, she's got a lot more life to live, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's sort of the point, yeah, right? We're not saying, like, oh, you know, we didn't get that much of her and we never will again, and this. Reality.
0: This, yeah, this faux history.
1: This is, you know, just something that happened to her neighbor once, right? Yeah. And, um, and that I think that's why, partly, that she's not in the movie very much. Yeah. You know, and it's.
0: I think that would be a good segue into the climax of the film. Okay. Because. Like we've been kind of saying, the last thirty five minutes are the most dramatic, because right. and I
1: think you know, again, it's playing on our on
0: knowledge. our expectations yeah. and our knowledge
1: of what no. happened, right? Quentin Tarantino does this thing where he lays out the time of day, mm-hmm. you know, he like this is noon, this is five p.m., this is ten p.m., this is you know, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, it's coming.
0: Yeah, yeah, right? we, yeah. So here we are thinking, we're about to. Like, s- here we go. We're gonna about to see
1: Sharon Tate get murdered. Yep. And uh, I wonder how Rick and Cliff are gonna get entangled in this, but they probably are.
0: You know. Yeah. And um, but what Quentin does is he he flips it when I guess Tex and I don't know the other characters' names are I guess scouting. Uh, We're trying to find the house. Yeah. Rick comes out. And uh, because that's a
1: private road. I mean, just really just lays into him, which is hilarious.
0: You know, and I love all the shit he says to him. So get this, you know, what was it? He calls the car like an ugly asshole or something (laughs) like that. Uh, All the while drinking his frozen margarita still in the blender. Yep. Because he just taken it off the the actual base, and which I
1: love because like no matter what is happening, he needs to have a drink in his hand. <laughs> so he goes like, "I wonder what that is." Okay, let me grab my pitcher and <laughs> let's go out there. Um,
0: um, and uh, every time he says it, I look at Ashley. Uh, when he's like, "What are you looking at, you ginger haired fucker?" Because if anyone didn't know, uh, my wife is a ginger. So every time he says that, I kind of look at her, just like, "Like, what are you gonna do?"
1: It's, you know, and the, the saving grace of the film and the saving grace for Sharon is that they know who he is, mm-hmm. right? And they recognize him as J.K. Hill from Bounty Law, right? And so they decide, you know what, we're going to kill the people in that house. Because they represent violence and brainwashing the youth uh, with, you know, murder, Mm -hmm. Right, so let's murder the people who taught us about murder, right? You know, it's like this backwards thinking, you know, ridiculous uh, Manson family way of um, you know, rationalizations.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) all right, so this is where the movie becomes outrageous, and um, if you had missed it, don't worry, Quentin Tarantino's patented violence is, is over the top violence right around the corner because <laughs>
0: yeah so as we were kind of talking about off mic a little bit um,
1: I was a little like
0: wow are we about to go a Quentin Tarantino movie with no like you know violence I mean yeah seeing Cliff beat the shit out of that guy it was one thing but that wasn't very over the top it yeah. was more again like I've been saying very realistic Violence, nothing like *Unglorious Bastards*, where they're shooting the body of Hitler so much that you know bits of his flesh are flying off. And so we hadn't seen anything like that yet, and I was like, "Wow, maybe Quentin feels like he doesn't need need that for the story." I'm glad I was wrong, because <laughs> now, uh, but I won't lie. When when it all happened, the whole time I was sitting in my seat, just like,
1: oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, um, we. We get the payoff to how trained Brandy is, yeah. right? Um, and yes. and what exactly she does when he clicks, you know, uh, his cheek, right? Yeah. His. yeah. Um, and we get to see, you know, Cliff being a badass yeah. once more, right? Um, <laughs> and again, very again over the top. This is yeah. extreme violence with. Uh, the girl getting hit with the the can.
0: Yeah, the the, the unopened can of dog food. I mean, it right, s- shatters her nose square probably. Square
1: in the mouth and nose. I mean, just destroys her teeth and her nose. Brandy is
0: biting down on Texas' arm, which then she moves to his leg,
1: and then up his leg to his groin. Right. Um. Once. Once he realizes um, Tex is not going to go anywhere, uh, he gets uh, Brandy to go after the girl who's going after the gun again. and, um, and He pretty much just
0: smashes
1: Texas face in. Yeah. And then, speaking of smashing people's faces in, he smashes that redhead's face in. The, the ginger-haired fucker. <laughs> That's right. Um, for stabbing him in the thigh. <laughs> or in the hip, hip or whatever.
0: Yeah. And, yes. Yeah, let's see. Smashes her head twice into Rick's phone. Yep. Smashes it twice into one of his posters. Yep. Into the brick on his fireplace.
1: The mantle, yeah.
0: Then into the mantle at
1: least three times. And and then... then Into the table, and then she's gone because her face is gone. Uh, (laughs) And now, here's here's the moment in the film where every single person in the movie theater where I went erupted into cheers, laughter, I mean, roaring, is when... So uh, that girl with the th- gun, right? She uh, I think it
0: was I think it was Sadie, if I'm remembering correctly, because uh, if it, like when they're talking about like was that Jake Yeah, because I think the red haired girl goes Jesus, Sadie. Oh, okay. I think I want to say let's just call her Sadie.
1: So Sadie runs in through the glass the door door uh, into the pool, so and
0: now she's getting shards of glass in her face.
1: And Rick, <laughs> Rick was just jamming to his headphones, right? With his margarita. Freaks out. It was what the hell is going on? Right? Uh, She's got this gun, firing it off, right? And she's, you know, being a little obnoxious. And so. Understandably. Uh, You know, uh, bothering the people next door. Rick goes into his tool shed and brings out his (laughs) flamethrower.
0: That he has from uh, the 14 Fists of McCluskey.
1: Oh, my God. And burns her to a crisp. Yeah. The place went ballistic when he when he's just walking up with the flamethrower. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the place erupted. And I was one of those people howling with laughter. I thought it was so funny.
0: I, I don't remember how everyone reacted the first time we saw it, but I definitely was like,
1: Oh yeah. And uh You know what was equivalent when um Captain America um uh, held Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Yeah, that was about the equivalent of uh, <laughs> of, of Rick-
0: excitement <laughs> of, of Leonardo DiCaprio walking out with a flame thrower. Yes.
1: When, <laughs> when when it is revealed that Captain America is the one who threw Mjolnir and was able to uh, conjure it back to his hand, people erupted into cheers, and you know. <laughs> When Rick walks out with that flamethrower, it was the same. <laughs> people were so excited, and uh, I was of course one of those people who was very excited.
0: But uh, but
1: then we get this very,
0: almost um, I wouldn't say very cathartic ending. It was more of a Quentin is cautioning us.
1: The audience. It, it, you know, it was very exciting, very satisfying, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, these guys are, you know, jerks. Um, yeah. And have been problematic, right? So it's not like we had never met these guys before. Quentin has made sure that we have met these people before and kind of know what they're about. Right? And almost like they're going to
0: deserve everything they're about
1: to get. Right, of course. Right. Um, but you're right. And... Um, It is sort of, you know, at the very, very end when he's talking, when um, Cliff has been taken to the hospital, uh, Rick is talking to the neighbor. Jay Sebring. Right. uh, The very well-renowned hairstylist. Um, And, you know, they're talking with one another. We get the, hopefully, the title for this episode. Um, And... And then, you know, we, we get to hear Sharon Tate, mm-hmm. and he's finally going to get to meet Sharon Tate, which he's he mentioned he has wanted to do since she moved in.
0: Yeah, he said, all it takes is one party, and then I'm in the next Polanski picture.
1: Right. And honestly, I think in this instance, he's sort of not thinking about that, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's he's not he's not networking, right? And I think a lot of it, you know, number one is because of what just happened. Number two, Polanski's not even there. Yeah, no, he's, right? in,
0: he's in London filming.
1: <laughs> right. And uh, but he is excited to meet Sharon Tate, and then we, you know, after the excitement, we remembered, oh, Sharon's pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we had forgotten about that. I had forgotten about that because we had seen her pregnant. Of course, history tells us yes, she was pregnant. We know, um, but in all the excitement of uh, Cliff murdering all of those people, <laughs> uh, well, but it, it was just about that. They broke in. Yeah, they broke in. Justified. Shout out to Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> Maybe the second coolest guy in the whole movie is uh, Timmy O. Uh,
0: as, as, as Jim Stacy. That's right.
1: And before we
0: continue with the ending, I do want to talk about when he's talking to Rick about how Rick lost the great escape.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: he's, and he's just like, oh, that's got to hurt. And you can tell Rick is like still not over it. Like, Yeah. yeah. And
1: what a brilliant piece of uh, superimposing. Mm-hmm. Have you seen The Great Escape? It's unbelievable. I have. It's just been a really long time. But I do remember that. It's amazing. It's on my uh, criterion wish list. It's great. Um, That scene in particular, you know, is when we really get to know Steve McQueen's character. Um, It's so brilliant the way that he just plopped Rick Dalton in there. Mm -hmm. Right?
0: And so I wonder if it was a situation where... Hang on, everyone. We'll get back to the ending. If uh, Quentin was directing Leo... To be like, you know, you know here's the lines that Steve McQueen says in the movie. This kind of how he does it, but play it like yeah. how Rick would play it. Right, because
1: it's not, you know, exactly like Rick is going to make different choices than Steve McQueen would have, right? And right. so it's going to be a little different, and of course it is. Yeah. Um, which is a phenomenal excuse, you know, to not only plot this person into this very famous movie, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. You know, because it's a different actor, right? Mm-hmm. And and so that's sort of a fun little, you know, um, you get to relax a little bit because it doesn't have to be frame by frame perfect, right? Right. Um, anyway. Anyway, so, so back to the ending. So, um, you're right. We get this sort of, whew, it's over, everyone's okay. Oh, wait. But no, not everyone's okay. This no. is fictitious. This didn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the crane shot. I love the, the font for the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That it's
0: almost like it's written.
1: Right. It's that sort of storybook, Once Upon a Time. And then, of course, Hollywood is um, a different font. Yeah. Um, and you're like, right. This is, this is a fantasy. This is not real. This mm-hmm. uh, didn't happen, right? The way that... You know, and what's funny is I didn't feel this way after Inglorious Bastards. Right, I feel like *Inglorious Bastards* was a little bit more for fun, almost. Right? Well,
0: yeah, you know, because Quentin pretty much uh, in one fell swoop ends World War Two.
1: Exactly. You know. and of course, it's so. I think it's because it's so outrageous that we can't sit back and think about it the way we do this one. Mm-hmm. It, maybe because it, you know, in terms of just playing old time, it's. It happened a lot more recently. Yeah. Um, But also, I think it's because it's such a minor event, not like World War II, which is a gigantic event, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of just sheer, it affected just X amount of people, right? Right. Uh, And the fact that it's so well documented and so well known that even when he says, I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's business we're familiar with that line, yeah, right? We know right. he said that, right? And <laughs> I do like the, the sort of making fun of that. You know, it's like it, easier to do, do
0: some, d- some devil shit. Devil shit. Well, it's not verbatim. It's not verbatim.
1: <laughs> but uh, but be, right. And so we get that crane shot, and uh, he, uh, Rick walks up to Sharon Tate, who, who gives is, him
0: the biggest hug.
1: And, you know, it's sad, right? Mm-hmm. It, But... You know, I would say it's a little bit of both, because we're happy that this version exists.
0: yeah, that this, this version of history, you know, what, you know what if?
1: But we don't get to live in that world, yeah. right? Once we leave this theater, we're back into the real world where Sharon Tate didn't make it, right?: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's, I think that's what's so brilliant about the title, too, is that once upon a time in Hollywood, yeah, this could have happened. And it should have happened. Should have happened. No, not could have. It should have happened. Because, you know, as I mentioned, you know, Sharon Tate is now remembered in all the wrong ways. Not for the actress she could have been and should have been. She's now remembered for being the victim of a, a cult killing spree.
1: Not even her movies she did. Not Valley of the Dolls. Not Wrecking Crew. Not, I mean, you know, no one ever remembers her in those uh, my dad might remember Wrecking Crew. He really likes Dean Martin. But um, wow. other than that,
0: and I feel and I feel like that's why Quentin didn't want to recreate Wrecking right. Crew. Yeah, I think yeah. he really wanted people to, and I and I love that we get to sit with Sharon watching the watching her watch the movie. Right. You know, because then we almost get to appreciate the movie with her. Uh, so I'm gonna be real. I never thought about it as a love letter to Sharon Tate. Hmm. I always thought about it was just a love letter to. 60 cinema Hollywood uh I mean that's why we do this
1: right you know? <laughs> um this uh you know that's I rewatched it today and then I re- and then I wrote that note down because I I'd, I'd written you know the the love letter to Los Angeles love right. letter to 69 love letter to the movie making industry in the process and the acting process things like that you know again um especially the Academy loves movies about movies. Right. Yeah. Um, but after watching it and watching it in the context of having to talk about it, um, I realized that really it's, it's about, it's a, it's for Sharon, it's, yeah. right. It, it's sort of, you know, um, uh, vindication uh, for Sharon Tate. Yeah. Right. Uh, and everyone at the house,
0: you know, before we wrap up, um, you know, this is Quentin's ninth movie. Mm-hmm. He's gone on record saying that he will only direct ten movies in his lifetime. What, what would you, since we kind of have this new platform, what would you want to see as his tenth movie? Would you want to see another faux history like Once Upon a Time, or would you want to see something like Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs I'm not
1: sure because I have I read a while, about, a while back that he was thinking about doing a Star Trek movie
0: I think he's still going to but I don't think he's going to direct it I okay. think he's just going to write it
1: because they, then I don't know if I would want that to be his last one right um, mm-hmm. honestly I want it to be I want it to be just a I look at it I know it's a Tarantino movie that's what I want I, I want it to be Something that he is super passionate about. I'm not. I don't think that Star Trek's gonna cut it.
0: No, from what I read, I think he. I think he's just gonna write it. But uh, I'm sure he's really gonna push for the director he wants for it.
1: And then I, I had read, of course, this was a year or so ago, that he was gonna remake that uh, '70s Grindhouse film. What was it like? Pussycat go 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 something like that. I don't
0: know. Um, I also heard that there's a Kill Bill three in the works, which and
1: that doesn't count either because he doesn't count the sequels. separate. Um, he doesn't count volumes one and two as two movies; he counts them as one. So if he does another one, it's just the same movie, yeah. right? I don't think there should be a third one.
0: Okay. Um, I'm, I I feel like I'll I'm a two...
1: record is saying I only like the first volume. <laughs> I only yeah. like the first half of the movie. So
0: yeah, I I think volume two is it's fine. It's fine, I, but it ends the story where we needed it to be ended. So I
1: agree, and uh, I agree. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there should be a third one either. But um, let's let's do a quick. Oops, I forgot. Because oops, I forgot. Oops, I forgot. Um, I really loved the way they portrayed filming the pilot. Um, mm-hmm.
0: That. That the film that the camera that's filming the movie is also the camera filming the pilot,
1: and they don't, they don't, you know, portray the cuts in between the shots, right? Yeah, it's, you know, implied, you know, that they've already done all the work, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that it's in color, right? We're we're not going back to that sixteen millimeter bounty law you know, thing, mm-hmm. uh, which it most likely would have been shot on. Well, no, it's the 60s, so there's color TV. Well, yeah, yeah. What, you know... Um, oh, but you know, the framing. Right, right, right. right, right and right, 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 uh, right. they did shoot all the Bounty lost stuff in 60mm. Yeah. Um, and so they, they didn't switch up anything for us, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so it always takes you a minute to realize, oh, they're shooting the pilot, right? At least for me, it did. I was like, oh, they've started. Um, yeah. And, and I,
0: like... like uh, <laughs> Like when they come running up and uh, who's Johnny Madrid?
1: Which I love that actor. Who he's plays fantastic. Yes, he is.
0: He's was, a great character. actor. I mean, he's
1: been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, if fans are there of Halt and Catch Fire, he was on that show for AMC. He was. He
0: had some weird plot point in Batman v Superman. I didn't. I, I he, saw that, but had, I don't remember. He had anything no legs. There. That's funny. He's, he was Lieutenant Danning it.
1: Bringing it back to the force gun. He uh, he was in Gone Girl. He's been in right. Killing Them Softly. He's great. I'm a huge fan of him. So
0: um, I'm actually kind of glad we did. Oops, I forgot. Uh, Luke Perry, man. Luke
1: Perry. Yes, we um, can talk about Luke Perry because he's even in the extras. He's uh, being interviewed in the special features. Yeah, because he he died. Shortly after, very soon after this, yeah, you know, and it's kind of strange that this movie
0: has death surrounding it,
1: you know, that's right. And you know, let's say because he had died and then the movie came out, so yeah, um, his introduction to the film, his character introduction, mm-hmm. it's almost like they knew because of the way they sort of slowly. Um, revealed that it's Luke Perry, right? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they knew when we saw it, he wasn't alive anymore because it's just the way they shot it. That was like, oh my God, that's Luke Perry. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, you know, because, mm-hmm. ah, man. And, and he does great for what little he has in the theatrical cut. He does so fantastic. And, and I read that he was really trying to base it on one of the actual actors from Lancer, his 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 portrayal, but um, yeah, man, this movie has just death surrounding it. Like I mentioned with Burt Reynolds, mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds was originally attached to be George Spawn, and then he passed away, and then and then Bruce came in. And what did, is his
1: name? Sorry, I, I I keep forgetting. There's a camera on me, and I can't make faces like that. But uh, I'm trying to remember. Um, James Marsden, right? James Marsden plays Cyclops? Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Plays oh. Burt Reynolds in oh, a right. cutscene mm-hmm. um for red apple cigarettes, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so that's that's funny that he was supposed to be in the movie uh, just in general. Yeah. Um, how much money would you have paid to see Norm McDonald uh, play Burt Reynolds in that in that sequence?
0: <laughs> oh I I would have emailed Quentin and be like, you have to
1: Just I'd be mean, just like ha 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 you know, dude, he's, that, got, that he's, stupid
0: got, thing. he's got to have a piece of gum in his mouth. Like, yeah,
1: yeah, I'll take, uh, <laughs> you know, um, if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, educate yourself. Yeah. Saturday Night Live. Uh, he plays Burt Reynolds, but he doesn't do it. He, he doesn't do an accent. He doesn't do an impression at all. He, he, it's mainly like he's playing him the way we see Burt Reynolds. Yeah, pretty much. You know, um, yeah, so the fact that he was supposed to be in there—that yeah. uh, that may be why they cut it. I don't know. Maybe I, you know, I don't know why they or cut it, or maybe it, it just—I
0: I feel like I saw that too, or, or
1: just it was too long, maybe. Yeah. Um, but Wait. I really enjoyed uh, watching all the cutscenes um, because they were like commercials, you yeah. know, and they were just fun. They were commercials for things that Tarantino has created, like Red Apple Cigarettes. Yeah. Uh,
0: again, you know, implying that this exists in his movie universe as well. Right. Uh, which, you know, his timeline is... Crazy. Crazy, you know. We, I think we could do a whole episode, you know, on his timeline of films. It's too films. late. We
1: could have done that at the very beginning, and we didn't, so... Damn, we should have. Uh, we should have. Yeah. But then it would have been, like, a four-hour episode. No one I know,
0: that. and, you know, you crazy people like our horror movie episode so much.
1: It's I was telling hours, someone about man. that.
0: I was like, you know, we didn't mean for it to be three hours. It just... We kept talking and talking, and then we're like,
1: "Oh, it's been three hours." <laughs> but, but anyway, so
0: this is Jeremy. Yes, sir. Are you ready to wrap up? Wrap up. Wrap I up. am.
1: I am. I um, I love this movie very, very much. As do I. I, I think it is not. I mean, not only is it a great movie, but it's fun. It's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's fun to just have on in the background because, again, you're immersed in this world, and it's just fun to be you know, immersed. Right. I just, I just remembered another, oops, I forgot. Oh no. We didn't even talk about Al Pacino. (laughs) Hey, Al Pacino's in the movie. So anyway,
0: Um, the part was written for him. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, uh, but yeah, you know, I agree. It it is very fun. Like, you know, with certain Quentin movies, I have to be in a specific mood, like Jackie Brown. I really have to be in a specific mood to watch Jackie Brown. It's a great movie, but I gotta have to be in a specific mood. This
1: one, save Robert Forrester's career. Uh, Jackie Brown, really?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, but this movie, I can be any kind of mood. Be like, you know what? I want to watch Once Upon a Time in on Hollywood.
1: Once Upon, Once Upon Time in Hollywood. You
0: know, you know. Uh, same with Django. Got to be in a specific mood. Like, I I got to be in a uh, not really a revenge mood, but I got to be in a like I want to see someone get revenge, mm-hmm. and that rarely ever happens. But yeah, you know, and I think Quentin really outdid himself with this movie. It feel you know it's. It's very Quentin Tarantino, but at the same time, it doesn't feel.
1: Yeah, it Quentin takes Tarantino. all of. You know, like there's there is humor in Pulp Fiction, right? We know this,
0: but as with this movie, it's humor around every corner.
1: It's the best, yeah, and it's just so much. And that's part of what makes it so much fun because it's light until, of course, the last <laughs> still, yeah, the last thirty minutes. <laughs> the last thirty minutes, um, and it's just again, fun. It's a fun movie. I, I yeah. in. It has value. Not only is it fun, but we are able to sit and have this in-depth discussion and analysis of it. So, I mean, Quentin Tarantino is... He's pretty good at this.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I will be sad to see him go when he does his final... His magnum opus. Yeah. So, Jeremy. Yes, sir. In this new season five, what are we going to do next week?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked.
0: Oh, Jesus. Probably
1: because you are... Contractually obligated. Oh no! To ask, um, it's time. Oh fuck! Of course, uh, I already
0: know what it is. Yeah,
1: it's time. So uh, this movie is a bunch of fun, right? <laughs> and it's light. It's funny. Um, Before you say
0: it, this just you know it just <laughs> proves uh, our friendship. I picked something that's moderately light, mm-hmm. and you're about to
1: bum us out yes sir Uh, next week we are doing Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream good god Um, it is a film that I have seen more than 20 times by now
0: and Uh, you gave me one of your copies
1: it's a film that uh, number one just celebrated its 20th anniversary god damn uh, this year and um, it's everyone interested in filmmaking and its potential needs to see Rec rain for a Dream okay. I, I think that of course this movie uh, was um, was released during the uh, independent film boom of the early 2000s mm. late 90s early 2000s uh, and so this is really what independent filmmaking you know this was like the height of it this was like I can't believe he was able to do any of this that's why this is there yeah I can't believe he was able to do any of this right Right. it's the the fact that he was able to pull off some of these shots and these sequences and these montages and these performances I will tell you that you if you have a favorite performance in your life Mm -hmm. you're about to trade up because Ellen Burstyn is incredible in this movie All right. okay Um, Of course, Jared Leto's amazing, Jennifer Connelly, Marlon Wayans, but Ellen Burstyn steals the show. Okay. And you are, yes, going to be sad, but I think you're also just going to be excited that film can be like this, right? Okay. So I'm very excited, Um, and you should be too. Get excited. I mean, I am excited because here we are, season five,
0: on a new platform, uh, still, still, still doing our thing, but uh, I'm excited. Cool. So, uh, so we hope everyone enjoyed our season five premiere and our first episode on YouTube. Um, we will have a season five logo soon. Soon. Sure. Uh, Jeremy and I are working on that. Um, I can't believe I now have to say this, uh, but. Please subscribe uh, oh. for more episodes. Yeah. Um, something I meant to mention at the beginning of this is now that we're on YouTube, we can have fun with this more than we have. Yeah. Uh, there's other stuff I want to talk to you about for this. but um, Okay, cool. Yeah, please subscribe to YouTube. Uh, if you're listening to us, again, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we will put... The YouTube channel on the Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.